Hi, everyone. Great to see you. Well, I can't see you, actually, but it's great for you to be able to see me anyway. And thanks, guys. That was amazing. It's quite hard, actually, to go from a place of real worship and engagement to kind of coming up here and continuing. So I'd just like to encourage you at home to just continue in that heart of worship and even as intercession as Helen's just been leading us in prayer. Just continue to commune with God as we now receive the ministry of his word, uh, but not as an isolated event separate to what we've been doing, but actually as part of our worship that we would hear from heaven through the scriptures. So I'm just going to pray that we would do just that. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us, uh, how you've been with us as we've worshipped and as we've prayed, uh, even in the different homes that we're in at this moment. Lord, as we continue in our worship, Lord, may we hear you through the scriptures. Lord, would you speak clearly to us? And Lord, would you empower us through them? Lord, that there would be change, that there would be freedom, that there would be a grace to walk in agreement with you in these days, that we would partner with you, seeing your kingdom come and your will being done in and through our lives and in our generation, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so we're carrying on in a series then on Acts, and we're looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, which I'll read to you now. Speaking of the fellowship of the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. An amazing passage then, a passage which speaks to us about the life of the early church and their shared experience. We read in these verses of the shared experience of those believers and uh, what they did together as they celebrated uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and the outpouring of his spirit, uh, not just as individual Christians, but as a united body of believers with Christ at the center. And so it's a fascinating passage because it, it almost serves as a kind of recipe, if you like, uh, to uh, what it is to be a united body of believers in a growing movement. And so we see uh, in these verses almost like the different ingredients uh, that when mixed together uh, results in uh, a lively, united and growing church. So let's have a look at these verses together then. Well, in the first verse that I read to you, verse 42, it says that they devoted themselves. And then it goes on to say what they devoted themselves to. But that phrase, they devoted themselves. These were not kind of, you know, half-baked believers that were kind of, you know, doing a bit of this and a bit of that with a bit of Christianity on the side. You know, they were completely sold out and given over uh, to their worship of Christ and they're witnessing to his life and they're doing that as a body of believers united uh, in their witness to the Lord Jesus they were devoted William Barclay who uh, 
wrote lots of commentaries, uh, when he speaks about this passage, he, in, he interprets it as they persevered in. So, you know, they devoted themselves to, he says, they persevered in the things that it goes on to speak about, persevering in the apostles' teaching, persevering in fellowship, persevering in the break of bed, persevering in prayer. So again, we see that this is, there's a zeal that we see uh, in this body of believers and their commitment to practicing uh, these things that they're doing together in their life. Devoted. Now, I can look back on my life and see different times where perhaps I've blown hot or cold, where there's been times of real kind of zeal for the Lord and times where maybe I've been a little lukewarm. And when I look at that and I perceive that, you know, it's... It's, there's a real sense in which you know, God is calling us to not be those who blow hot and cold, but just maintain that spiritual fervor, as Paul says, to be filled with spiritual zeal for the Lord. I think it's helpful to distinguish between a kind of fleshly striving that's us just trying to sort of pull one off for God and trying really hard to think the right thing and do the right thing. And perhaps it might be your experience that there's been times when you've tried really hard and you knew you ought to and you've kind of burnt out and grown weary and it's been frustrating and, uh, and, and you've you know, been downcast as a result of that and sad. Uh, but there's a difference between that fleshly striving and a contending which is a move of God, a move of the Spirit in us, a contending which is really aligning with a move of God within our lives, within our hearts, something God is doing and we simply have to partner with it. That's why this passage is hot on the heels of the day of Pentecost. We've read of this influx of believers, 3,000 believers who've, uh, as we see, they've repented uh, of a different way, a different life. They've, they've believed in the Lord Jesus. They've been baptized in water, so dying to self, rising to new life. And they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's so important that we, you and I, and corporately, we are continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's so important that we're filled to overflow with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we simply can't live the life that God calls us to. And if we're not filled with the Spirit, we won't have the kind of corporate life that we see in these verses, just brimming, teeming with life and such an exciting witness to us of what church can really be like. And so attractive, as we see as well, to the wider world that the Lord added to their number because there was such a quality of life that was in the Spirit that it was so appealing to the outside world that actually people saw and they were like, wow, I need that. I need what you've got. I want in. I want in on this life that you have. So we see hot off the heels of Pentecost. We need, you and I need to be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, there should be no shortage of zeal that is born of God, not of the flesh. One of my favorite verses, I love it, is in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, where Jeremiah the prophet is speaking and he says, But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Jeremiah is so filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit and this zeal that is not him just trying to pull one off for God. Not, oh, I need to read my Bible today. And oh, I need to kind of speak for God today. But actually it's like a fire in him, a consuming fire. Paul talked about the love of Christ, which compels us, which constrains us, that loving, a, a deep rooted conviction that is born of God, his word and his spirit coming together to just bring about through the life of Paul 
as was the case for Jeremiah. Such a godly zeal, which is so inspiring to us. But again, it's not just for the superhero believers. It's for every Christian and every Christian in community. So we see this this devotion, this single-heartedness of purpose in the life of the early church. And I just want to encourage us to allow God to just fill us afresh with his spirit and to stir in us again passion for his name. I've got a couple of friends uh, who are Aston Villa supporters and um, at different times I've been aware of um, you know, their zeal for Aston Villa when they've texted me to tell me about what's going on and being an Arsenal supporter for my sins obviously uh, I, I sometimes get text messages for them uh, not very often thankfully because Aston Villa rarely beat Arsenal so it's not a, a common occurrence uh, but when Aston Villa beat Arsenal I sometimes get a text saying oh we beat you, we beat you but I've noticed in recent years that actually one of my Aston Villa friends has gone off the boil a bit. He's not as fervent as he used to be, whereas the other one is equally as fervent as, you know, when Arsenal get beaten by Villa, I'm awaiting a text from this guy. And, you know, I know that he is totally up to speed with what's going on with the team and what they're doing well and who's playing for them and who their best defender is and all the stats and reading the news. He's just totally full on for Villa. Whereas the other one, I'm sure he could tell me, you know, their best team back in the 90s or when they won the FA Cup or what have you. But actually, I'm not sure if I asked him today uh, that he would be so on it in terms of what's going on with Aston Villa. Perhaps it's the case for you that actually in your walk with the Lord, there have been times where actually you've just been totally on fire, totally sold out. And actually, God has consumed your time. You know, (laughs) football sporters can spend an inordinate amount of time you know, swatting up on the internet or, you know, if they're season ticket holders, going to every single game. And actually, the fruit of our zeal for the Lord is that our time is invested in our walk with him, not only individually, but within our corporate life, that actually we are meeting together in his name. We are meeting together to share fellowship. We are meeting together to witness to the wider world about the love of Jesus. Perhaps that fire was there. Perhaps it's dimmed a bit. I'd just like to encourage you to just get on fire again. Nothing is wasted. God is an amazing redeemer of time. And whatever's happened in the past, whatever wonderful things God has done in the past, I want to encourage you that God is doing a new thing today. God is still at work by his spirit. And he wants to give you such a passion for him that actually your greatest days are still ahead of you. I actually feel that's a prophetic word even as I'm speaking it. There are some people that are listening to this and I just feel that God is saying the greatest days are still ahead. And that doesn't mean that you're a young person listening to this. You might be thinking like, oh, well, you know, my greatest days are certainly behind me by now. But however long you are in this world, there is a work for Jesus that only you can do. There is a work for the Lord that you can do, no matter how young or old or in between you are. And more than that, there is a work for Jesus that only we can do together in fellowship with one another. So let's be devoted as we pursue this common life. So as I said, we see some of the ingredients of this exciting common life, because really it is a sharing in the work and life of the Spirit as a body. And that shared life includes lots of things that we see in these verses. It speaks about sharing together in the apostles' teaching. This was a learning church that were committed to discipleship. And so the apostles' teaching would obviously have included uh, the kind of things we read about in the gospel narratives, the life of Jesus, 
New Testament writings, perhaps some of the Old Testament prophetic passages that spoke about Jesus. Bottom line for you and I, it looks like what we have in our Bible, that actually as they were committed to the apostles' teaching, which was basically essentially the act of God in Jesus. So we in the pages of scripture have documented the act of God in Jesus and how that speaks into our lives and how that message of the good news of Jesus is the hope, not only for us, but for the world. We need to be devoted corporately, individually, yes, but also corporately to learning together through God's word. They were also devoted to fellowship. And this was a deep sharing in a common life, as I've said, a life that is brought about through the Holy Spirit. You might have heard the word koinonia. It's quite hard to interpret, but really speaking of this common life, this sharing together. As we see in these verses, that obviously included uh, a mutual responsibility in material things. We see in a couple of verses, we'll get onto that in a minute, the, the sharing of possessions for, as it were, the common good, helping out those who are in need. But this mutual responsibility in material things also meant a, a responsibility to one another in terms of spiritual things as well, a spiritual life, a shared spiritual life. We read about that spiritual life and uh, when we carry on, we, we look at how they broke bread. They were devoted to breaking bread together. This phrase is quite difficult to interpret because all meals in Jewish homes would begin with a solemn breaking of bread and, and also giving of thanks, almost like a ceremonial grace, if you like. And uh, so when we see this phrase in the New Testament, the breaking of bread, sometimes it can be speaking of uh, a common meal, but other times it can be very obviously, um, you know, sacramental, a celebration of the Eucharist. In fact, this distinction between ordinary uh, food and communion wasn't so defined or sharp in the early church. We actually read, don't we, uh, in the letter to the Corinthians of how in Corinth there were abuses there and how Paul brought in strictures that were really, I suppose, the first step towards the separation of, of common fellowship meals and having communion. And so we, we read in these verses about you know, fellowship meals and the celebration of communion, essentially one and the same time goes on to speak about a devotion to prayer. So we've had devotion to the apostles' teaching, devotion to fellowship, devotion to breaking of bread, devotion to prayer. This early church was a praying church. And as I've said, it's about praying, not just when we're on our own, but also praying together. Helen's just led us in intercession. And we need to be people who pray together. There are lots of opportunities for doing that at All Saints. Uh, and I'd really encourage you to join in with the House of Prayer and the, the prayer meetings that we have on Zoom during the week. We need to be a people that are praying together, even as those early Christians would pray. They'd pray in the temple with the hours of prayer, uh, but also they would pray uh, as well in other contexts. The passage goes on to say that everyone was filled with awe. There was such a sense of God's presence among them, the life of the Spirit. Just amazingly exciting that we read about this early experience of the believers. And that sense of, of awe, the holy fear of Lord, uh, was, was yoked, it seems, to an experience of signs and miracles. There were many signs and miracles being done. It doesn't say exactly what they were, but we can guess that that would have included uh, the things that, that Jesus did, the things that he, he commissioned us to do when he spoke to his disciples about healing the sick, 
cleansing the leper, raising the dead, casting out demons. And so we can assume that it would have been these things and more. Jesus spoke about um, the greater works that people would do in his name because he was going to pour out his spirit on them. And so we read about this exciting life of miracles. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20 says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And we desperately need the power of God in this time. We don't want to just be waffling on and on and on and on. We want to be proclaiming the word of God and seeing him prove his word, confirm his word with the signs that follow as we read uh, in the, the gospel according to Mark, where the Lord would confirm the word that was spoken with signs following. And we need to be pursuing a life of miracles together. Again, this whole passage is about a shared life. And we need to be sharing in the miraculous power of the Lord as we uh, come together, as we expect miracles, as we pray for miracles, as we pursue that. Not just kind of thinking like, oh, it'd be nice if it happened. You know, I'll just see if it happens. But actually pursuing it. So much in life comes through a pursuit. Uh, and, and actually, I've already spoken, haven't I, about devotion and the spirit enabling us to contend for the things that are of him. We need to be contending in the spirit to see his miracle working power at work. They're devoted to having everything in common. This isn't a kind of modern day communism. It was a, a voluntary sharing. It wasn't a complete uh, community of goods because we learn in subsequent chapters that people still had uh, property and possessions to dispose of later. So it wasn't like communism. And yet there was such an intense feeling of responsibility to one another. That, that there was, this was a real sharing, uh, really exciting to think how people didn't hold on to their things so tightly, but there was such a, a sharing, a sense of mutual responsibility to one another. And actually, people would sell things in order to give to people in need. There was just a general sense of just sharing everything together, but also specifically, obviously, a heart for the poor, a heart for those in need, and a willingness uh, to sell in order to enable and to help those who had little. Within this corporate life, there was everyday worship. And uh, we read that that included prayer and the breaking of bread. So things that were already mentioned in that first verse, verse 42. There would have been prayer uh, in the temple, uh, but also prayer in homes, the breaking of bread in homes. And as I've already talked about that phrase, the breaking of bread, you know, there's, there's clearly a sense that this is a sacramental thing. There was an awareness when the church came together to eat together that God was in their midst. You know, those first disciples would have remembered uh, how Jesus broke bread and table fellowship with him. But also this, this community of believers would have been aware of the Spirit's presence with them. That there would have been a sharing uh, in, in heavenly realities as they met together and had bread and wine together. They would also have looked forward uh, to Christ coming again, thinking about the wedding supper of the Lamb, the feast in heaven. And so actually when they came together to daily to worship in this way, there would have been a real sense of, of God's presence, but also a real anticipation of Jesus' coming back. This was something that there was, there was a real sense of urgency about the way that they lived their common life and a real sense of anticipation that Jesus was coming back. This wasn't just a theological kind of idea. It was actually 
an expectation that they had that Jesus was coming soon and they had to make every moment count. So it was, it was like fever pitch. Every time, every day, they'd meet together to pray and worship and break bread. Just a real sense of the Spirit being with them and a real anticipation of his coming. Because of this anticipation and because of the Spirit's work, there was always a joy even in hard times. We know that, that we read in the New Testament about the experience of, those, of the early church and the persecution that was there, but there was also a joy, the joy of the Lord that was their strength, a joy found in a corporate life, a joy found through the work of the Holy Spirit at work in and through them. And so it said that they, they, they met together with glad and sincere hearts. And what we see as a result of that was that there was favor with all the people And that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we read in these verses about the corporate life of the early church, totally full on for God, totally devoted, daily worshipping, daily reading the scriptures, daily meeting together, daily taking communion, daily rejoicing, daily seeing miracles, and daily people are being added to their number. There's such a fervency, such an excitement among them, such a quality of life that no one else was living, that there was nowhere else that was exhibiting this quality of life, that when people saw it, they just thought, you know what, I want in on that. I want that life. And so we read in this passage something that is very, perhaps very convicting, but also something that I think is immensely exciting. The reality is that we do many of the things that we read about in this passage, that actually we have a corporate life. And what I want to encourage us in today, in this evening, is to think, you know what, we, we want an upgrade and by the Spirit of God we can have one. We need to be asking God to give us greater fervency for him. And we need to just jettison all the things that fill our time, that dull us of a sense of urgency, that actually might not even be sinful. They're just not the life that God intends for us, either individually or corporately. Perhaps we can cut down on a bit of Netflix or BBC iPlayer. Perhaps we can cut down on some of these pastimes we have that aren't bad, but they're just not the best. If we're going to see revival in this time, if we're going to see the lost come to know Jesus in their droves, then we simply can't have a little bit of Jesus there and a little bit of devotional life there. We need to be fully in and this needs to be what we're about. None of us needs a personality transplant for this to happen. God can use little old you and little old me just as we are within a common expression through his spirit in this kind of ways that we've been reading about here with equally amazing fruit because it's a move of God and we're partnering with him saying, yes, Lord, I'm all for it. I'd like to lead us now in prayer and I'd like to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to just stir in us again such a passion for Jesus, but also to release to us a grace to not only just get on fire for him individually, but actually see that we're meant to be doing this as part of a corporate body. I want God to release to us a fresh excitement and anticipation about meeting together for the moment on Zoom, yes, but thereafter as well when we meet together uh, in person. Such an anticipation about what God will do amongst us as we're searching the scriptures, as we're praying, as we're seeking his face, as we're worshipping. Let's just pray, shall we? I'd like to encourage you, whether you're sat down or uh, walking around the house, whatever you're doing, just to pause now. And perhaps if it helps to close your eyes, 
to stretch out your hands. And wherever you find yourself now, to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you afresh. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We honor your presence. And Lord, we honor your presence in our homes. We believe that you are with us where we find ourselves now. And we also believe that you live in us. Holy Spirit, come, we honor you. I just want to speak a release of the joy of the Lord into you and into your home right now. Holy Spirit, I honor you and I bless you, Lord. And I ask Holy Spirit, even now, you would fill those who are watching with your joy. Lord, I pray for such a grace even now to celebrate your resurrection power and glory. Such a grace to live in anticipation of your sure return. King of kings and Lord of lords. Holy Spirit, release now, I pray, that gift of anticipation. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd release right now that resurrection power. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd meet with your people. as you wait on him. Just encourage you just to, as far as you are able, just open up your whole life to the Lord. Invite him to fill your whole being with his love. Invite him to, by his truth, displace any error within your thinking, that you would invite his light to cast out any darkness. I just feel such a yes in the spirit of the Lord. I just feel like the spirit of God is crying out yes. That yes, you can walk with him. Yes, we can walk with him. A yes that we can be his body of believers on earth for such a time as this. Celebrating unity in the spirit. Pursuing him with all we've got daily. Finding him in the scriptures daily. Caring for one another. Sharing what we have for the benefit of one another, seeing the need of the other and through his love sharing with those who are around us. I feel a yes in the spirit of the Lord to actually God's faith that he will add to our number daily those being saved, that God is gonna do this, that God has raised us up for such a time as this. And he wants through his church to witness to the world around us that there is a God of heaven and that he is good and that he knows us by name, that he has good plans for our lives, that he is with us in this time and that he calls us up higher. He calls us up into a reality of knowing him in this world and the next. 
as we go back uh, into worship, just allow the yes of the Spirit of the Lord to reverberate within you. And as you worship, add your yes. Say, Lord, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. And I'm up for it as part of a body. I want to be part of a body of believers sold out for you, living for your glory.